Come on and pay your dues and sew your name patch on your jacket. It's time for the 27 Club, the world's only podcast about the group so exclusive that you have to... You have to die to get in. Hosted by 27 Club fan club president Pete and treasurer... PJ, why do I have to be the treasurer? You know, we never really uh, talked about that. Because we're in my my treehouse, PJ. It's good. Do you want to take a vote real quick, though? <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. okay. So me, I vote I vote me for president. I, I vote you for president as well. Oh, okay. So two to nothing. Okay. Good. I just wanted <laughs> so, it to be democratic. Cool. Okay. That's not... I was going to say, if, if we really have to get a tiebreaker, I am certain my mom will vote for me. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. We just have to holler at her from... Uh, yeah. Well, when she brings those sandwiches and lemonade out in a few minutes, we could just ask her then if there was really a disagreement. Yeah. I love when your yeah. mom makes sandwiches. She uses the good bologna. That's right. Good bo- she uses my bologna. <laughs> Is that the first time we brought up Weird Al on this show? Probably. Oh. Well, it's my bologna. <laughs> Is it not? You didn't get you didn't get the my bologna reference? I am not a Weird Al guy. I mean, I'm not that much, but I know my baloney. Come on. It's my bologna, though, isn't it? Doesn't he say it? My. Oh, to rhyme. Well, it's my Sharona. It's not quite. My bologna. Okay, well, we're going to sort this out Is right Is it really? Now. Yeah, look this shit up. So I, I don't dislike Weird Al. I shouldn't say I'm. I just, like, never listened to him as a kid. You just don't so. know a lot. Yeah. yeah. That was, like, in the early days of YouTube when it was still fun and not full of conspiracy theories. Um, yeah. It, there was a lot of watching Weird Al music video. Like, literally yeah. every Weird Al music video well, was watched in my childhood. I remember when... A like, couple years. Canadian Idiot came out. That was, like, a big deal. Huh. <laughs> oh, you're right. Bologna. Bologna. Okay. okay. So he rhymes it better. Weird Al's so cool. <laughs> this is, I mean, even that little bit we listened to delighted yeah. me. I think he's a. <laughs> we kid. should do a weird. Fuck it. Let's look <laughs> Let's up if there's a Weird Al podcast, man. We should do Holy Weird Al next. I bet we could. It'd be weird especially Al interesting. Seems like somebody we could get though. Yeah, he does seem like a nice enough person that he'd just he'd be on any show. Yeah. Well, that's fun. I bet there's a Weird Al podcast already. I'm sure there is. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's called the Weird Alphabet, which is... Ugh. <sighs> so we can do better than that, at least. Yeah. It's like when we saw Sam, <laughs> the only existing Beach Boys <laughs> podcast, when we started ours, and we thought, we can do better than that. We can do one episode. We can do one album in one episode. Yeah. We'll um, kick their ass. <laughs> there's we'll also, get through the Beach Boys run five times faster than them. I don't know if you've seen this, Pete, uh, but so when you look up the Beach Boys on the podcast app we are the yeah. first ones that come up now oh that's cool or, it's for a long time it i was should still... say we were the first ones that oh. came up for a, for months for okay. an entire yeah. year maybe but now there's yeah. some new people on our ass oh man there's a new beach boys podcast that's not good and uh, their name was stupid i knew i know that I also can never spell Beach Boys. I always spell Beach B-O-U-S. My fingers are too big. It's called In My Beach Boys Room. Oh. 
Uh, would you like to hear the description? That's a really bad name, so sure. Uh, world champion fiddle player and Beach Boys enthusiast <laughs> Matthew Hart's educates... I already know his favorite song. Yeah. <laughs> educates the us... one with fiddle on it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, he's he's a world champion, Pete. Yeah. Um, educates his friend and casual Beach Boys fan Adam Schreiner on everything there is to know about Beach Boys. Topics include Beach Boys history, in-depth musical breakdowns, special guests, and much more. So basically, he copped our that whole kinda shit. sounds a lot like our podcast. Yeah. yeah. You're... And then next, they're going to do a different band that the other friend knows better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Interesting. You're a world-class jaw harpist, and you're teaching yes, your true. casual Beach Boys fan friend. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, and then when you took over shtick. for Rolling Stones, it was because you were a world class bottle blower. Yeah, and you were teaching me. Yeah, I somehow for the first time in my life don't have an empty bottle near me. <laughs> for the first time in PJ's life, there's not an empty forty sitting on his desk. Yeah. I just have <laughs> such this, a sad. What a sad this day. little Coors, which is the opposite oh. of a forty, but it's full. Nice. Well, PJ, how the hell are you? You know, Pete, I've just been living it up this last week. Um, going to a lot of concerts. Hey, at in least person. you're not deadening it up, am I right? Oh, oh. just like our guy this week. Yeah. Um, going to a lot of concerts. Ooh, what concerts? Oh, just a lot of live concerts. I assume indoor, no mask requirement, no vaccination requirement. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Why would I go to anything? The Eric Clapton I shows. I only go to Clapton them. shows. Yeah. That's going to become known, yeah. Yeah. We're doing a Clapton show. <laughs> we're doing. We're pulling a Clapton. Um, here's the thing that annoys me about Eric Clapton. It's not that he's a good musician, <laughs> and like I hate him that because I'm like, oh, he was so good. It's that he has so many cool friends. Yeah. That, or like he hung out with Jimi Hendrix. George Harrison mm-hmm. was his best goddamn friend in the world. Like, mm-hmm. until, I mean, even after he stole his fucking wife. George Harrison's yeah. such a good dude, honestly. But... um. And it's just so annoying that, like, I have to live with the fact that that dude was George Harrison's, like, best bud. Yeah. That's annoying. Yeah. It is. God. It's hard to think about. I'd kick his stupid little ass if if I saw him in person. You know, it's kind of like how, like, I love Steve Bannon. Like, just respect (laughs) the hell out of him. Great dude. Just, like, fun guy. Yeah. Good dad. um, (laughs) To my kid. He, you know, he's a godparent of some of my kids. And... You know, and then he just goes and associates with the Cheeto man, and <laughs> it's like, Steve, what are you doing? Did you just you call? Could, you could have such better friends. Peter, did you just call and, him the you know, Cheeto get, man? Yeah. That's good. He that. rode he rode his coattails, you know, all the way till he didn't, <laughs> but <laughs> it was just, you know, it's just disappointing to see Steve debase himself like that just for yeah. some, a little bit of fame, a second in the sun. Now he's going to jail or some shit, I guess. I don't know. I don't read news, but I see headlines. <laughs> Something's happening with Steve. There's a lot of guys going to jail. I haven't Who talked knows? to him in a while. Hey. We just text about our cats, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. I just check in on him. He's like, how's the kid? Are you going to die soon so I can be his actual parent? Stuff like that. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. Steve Bannon having cats? Well, I mean, you do because you talk to him, but. Right. Yeah, that's a hard question for me to answer because <laughs> I know he has cats, so it's like hard for me to disassociate. What I know for sure, but I guess I will say, absolutely, he seems like someone who has a bunch of cats. (laughs) 
he wears the two shirts because the bottom ones always or the top ones always covered in cat hair. So then he can pop it off real quick and then have a clean shirt right underneath all the time. Which is truly a genius. Or vice method. versa. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe the lower the the first layer is covered in cat hair and then he pops on the second one to go out. That's what it is. Uh-huh. So he's always wearing two in public. So that makes sense to cover up the cat hair. I'm always wearing two in public, but that's because I like to wear those Mormon underpants like Mitt Romney. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Maybe you should switch to Mormon underpants, Pete. Did you ever think of that? Yeah, maybe I should. This is really an off-mic conversation, but we'll bring the listeners in on this little part. I'm searching (laughs) for a new, you know, I'm searching for a new underwear brand uh, because really it's, so if people don't know, my Insta is, is, is it a new brand or is it a new shape? It's all of the above, PJ. So my Insta really, it rocketed to, to fame based on CK1 trunks for men. And I was a sponsored uh, like influencer for a very long time. It's, yeah. I don't, I never talk about it on the show because it's really, Calvin Klein has told me not to. <laughs> they don't want me. They did not want people to know that I was also hosting this pod. They said, if you're hosting right. almost any other podcast, we would love the cross promotion. But someone listened to an episode or two and they said, never mind. We actually don't want to be associated at all, but we're happy to pay you if you just pretend you're a different person on each show. So, yeah. So, but as it, as you, I'm sure can guess, my working relationship with them ended um, around January like 6th of this year. Uh, so yeah, I went, I don't know. I mean, my, I'm sure my followers know I showed up in Washington, DC, hoping to celebrate a birthday (laughs) of a good friend of a few good friends. And, you know, I kind of thought there were going to be a lot of people there. Uh, and then Mm -hmm. it kind of turned into the thing where like everyone like invited you to the party, but then they actually went to a different place to have the party. So you're just sitting there by yourself, like at the bar. Yeah. So I was just to me every Halloween, the, sitting on the Capitol steps, just bored, <laughs> nothing to do. Uh, so and then, but you know, I I went Instagram live like all day about it and just talked for a long time about my thoughts and feelings on a lot of subjects. And Calvin Klein said, "You know what? We saw those, and we're you're, you're no longer a brand ambassador for CK One briefs for men." Uh, infused they were infused with the ck1 scent and ck1 lotion so your butt was always silky smooth um so now i'm just i'm looking for a new brand and a new cut because i got sick of those sick of those trunks man yeah yeah my thighs it turns out my thighs i got too big of thighs for trunks i need something i need either a boxer brief that flares yeah you need (laughs) or i need need to go like full brief that's not going to touch the thigh at all. Yeah, I think. A bo- I think a boot cut brief is what you're looking for. Yeah, boot cut brief. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, and you know, yeah. So we'll see if I can wrangle a sponsor. I guess right in. You know, if you got any ideas. <laughs> well, here at MeUndies, we believe your butt deserves to be comfy. Oh yeah. Actually, all of you does. When everybody's yeah, comfy, nice. the world is a better place. Let's that's all a good wear idea. MeUndies. Aren't those the ones that they advertise where like you can get matching ones with your significant other not only can you like get matching, matching ones oh, okay. you can get a subscription here at me whoa. whoa we send you a new fun pattern every single month this Incredible. month the special is sloths <laughs> okay cool well hey man if they 
are looking for <laughs> they're looking for influencers. I'm down. I'm also wondering, just given the direction that this um, story has taken, if the my pillow guy is gonna move into making underwear anytime soon. <laughs> They're, they're called like, my undies. We're in yeah, harsh exactly. litigation with that man. Yeah. He keeps telling us he's going to plant crack on us. <laughs> and I yeah. say, butt crack? And he says, crack cocaine. Yeah, so those are all good ideas. So that's kind of what I've been up to, I guess. Or that's why we're talking about underwear. That's why that started. <laughs> My favorite thing about the my pillow guy is that he was a crack addict for a long time. Yeah, well, kind of like Killer Dave from Dave's Killer Bread. He yeah. killed people for a long time, and then he started slaying those stalks of wheat. Yeah, um, and then mashing them up in a little loaves. So That's now true. he does that with his anger. He just gets out there with a reaper, <laughs> <laughs> pretends he's pretends he's chopping heads off fools in the alley. I I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how he killed me. <laughs> I assume Dave, here's my assumption. Yeah. He would, he, he never, it was never like premeditated murder. It was just, he would go to bars, get into bar fights, get kicked out into the alley, and then they would keep fighting and he would just kill people. Like every fight would end in a death. Dave's a good man. Yeah. I've said oh, it, yeah, good man. I've said he it just, many times. He gets blind drunk, <laughs> kills a fool in the alley, <laughs> and then stumbles home and then the cops are at his door the next morning and he's like, God, I did it again didn't i and they're like we know dave we hate look we hate doing this man but we gotta take you down to the station for booking honestly who hasn't who hasn't killed a fool in an alley yeah exactly (laughs) 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 so it made me choke on it because i started laughing (coughs) ask me what i'm up to well pete what have you been up to well, I've started uh, our fundraising drive, actually, in the new year here oh. at the 27 uh, Club Fan Club headquarters, uh, which is the treehouse in my backyard where we're mm-hmm. recording right now. Um, it is COVID safe, by the way. We have a piece of plexiglass down the middle of the treehouse. Yeah. So that we can, yeah. And it's uh, we got a lot of windows open. You know, it's good. We're, yeah, we're um, nothing if not safe. Can you hear that we're wearing masks? Yeah, COVID safe. There is about a half inch coating of raccoon and bird poop over the entire yeah. entire treehouse inside and out um and like i keep just touching the ground and then touching my mouth and eyes and stuff so i don't know if that's gonna be a problem but covid wise we're yeah. slaying it well and your so, mom doesn't really yeah. put that bologna in the fridge ever that's what makes it so good right exactly yeah it's when it gets a little bit of tang <laughs> on it that's how <laughs> exactly. you know that it's it's just it's ripened i like a funky bologna for sure yeah yeah that's right um so yeah we're starting our fundraising drive we're uh we're working on building a um like basically the mount rushmore of the 27 club right yeah like um and by basically the mount rushmore of the 27 club i guess i mean we're gonna carve a bunch of the musicians faces into the side of a mountain yeah i knew what you meant oh okay like full size okay yeah gotcha it's just usually when i bring it up to people they're like oh okay interesting but like you don't mean that literally, I'm sure. Like where, like you're really in it. No, we are. It's only I got a few quotes from a couple guys uh, down at the hardware store who said it's going to be like maybe two, three grand. So we're bad. thinking that would be about. I know. Well, one of them was like, I can get you C4 for a lot less than that, and then it's really just about 
you know, placing the blast correctly yeah. to chisel out like Jim Morrison's nose. Um, oh, that but then the other guy was nose. like, you should, you should really hire like an artist to do it. Um, cause it's going to be a lot better. And he said he could just do it by hand with like a chisel in a couple hours. So, hmm. um, but I'm thinking, you know, I think it'll be just as good as the real, real Mount Rushmore. I mean that so. half finished piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. They didn't even finish it. And then there's the, like, I think the Crazy Horse one in... Where is that? Also South Dakota. South Dakota as mm-hmm. well. That's not even done. They've been working on that yeah. for, like, 15 years, and it's not done yet. So we can definitely... I mean, our goal We're is to get, get it done. Head to toe of yeah. each of the people, not just their bus. <laughs> yes, fully standing. And we're gonna we're going to have to get that famous Jim Morrison wiener in there. Yeah. Sticking well, out of his leather Well, what we're really going to do... It's so we wanted them standing up because we were originally looking at Mount St. Helens as the site. Um, Cause it's the forest service decided it's basically worthless now that it's all disfigured from that eruption. Yeah. So we were going to just do it in the side of that, which I think would have let us have them standing up. You know, Jimmy's got his ax. Jim's got like his cool microphone stand with a scarf off of it. I assume um, something like that. Yeah. Um, some dumb but we ended up yeah i ended up finding some really good tax breaks um that's going to bring the cost down a lot uh down in la um so we're doing it at the la county museum of art uh we're gonna carve it into that giant rock that's just sitting in the in the back of the of the museum oh nice yeah 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 so i'm pretty sure what we're looking at now is so like you know you can walk under the rock right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're going to do like their heads so you can see it up top. And then when you walk under the rock, it's going to be like they're all sitting. So you're just looking at their little butts from down oh, below. Oh, <laughs> well, in some yeah. cases, they're big butts. Well, yeah, Actually, true. If it's someone with a big butt. I think. I mean, they'll all be pretty big relative to relative their to a human, human size when they yeah. were alive. Yeah. But in comparison to their heads, I actually think their butts might be kind of small. I'm That's not going to lie. You know, I think every member of the 27 Club has kind of a little butt. Kind of a little butt and kind of a average or larger than average head. Yeah, I would say that's strange. Maybe it's just because a lot of them of had big hair, but almost all know. of them have big hair. Yeah, maybe that is part of it. Oh my god, we found the genetic makeup of every member that, that we know now. If you're born looking like that, so poor Harry Styles is going to be the next <laughs> one. <laughs> Calling it's it now. Absolutely, a, absolutely a man with a big head and a little butt. My post Malone prediction might just be completely off because. Oh my God, PJ, you want to know how? How old is Harry? You want to know how old Harry Styles is? Is he twenty? He is currently twenty-seven. Do you want to guess when his birthday is? Oh, September nineteenth. February first. We only got like a week left. Come on. Damn. Oh my God. You know, by the time this is out, people might already know. Yeah, that's true. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yes. By the time this is out, people will definitely know if Harry Styles well, is a member of the club or not. Yeah. My God, this is dangerous territory. <laughs> well, so, you know, just book your tickets now to head down to L.A. You you know, you're going to have to wear a mask, show your vaccine card. That's yeah. fine. We're not we're, doing we're a clap for this. Yeah. Uh, but you're going to hey, book your tickets to head down to L.A. County, get your hotels now. It's going to be probably fucking crazy when we open. We're hoping end of Q3 2022. Like, again, I think it's only going to cost a couple thousand bucks, take like two or three weeks, and we're going to get this done. And uh, yeah, we're really going to put, I think, the L.A. County Art Museum on the map. Like, they haven't really done any exhibits. I've never heard of it. Even close to, like, this 
cool before or this you know it's it's really gonna yeah. be good for them more it, than more it than us, really show really. up those dicks in cleveland at the rock and roll hall of fame museum yeah exactly what do they have so, a stupid what yoko ono sculpture or some shit <laughs> do they i think they yeah might. out front of the it's a really strange decision out front of the rock and roll hall of fame like outside of like a baseball stadium you have bronze statues or of maybe a couple of the great players of that franchise's history. Outside the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they only have one statue, and it is just only Yoko, no one else, just Yoko Ono out there. It's actually her. It's hard to tell what it is. It's her in the bag. It's that art performance Uh, piece where she would crawl inside a bag and writhe around. It's just her inside the bag, so really it just kind of looks like a weird lump. A lot of people just think it's a rock when they walk past. Yeah, and... She herself has said that wasn't an art thing. That's just how she can. That's how she gets to sleep. Yeah, right. She could only do it. Yeah, in a public theater. She has bag. to have people watching her because she's the only afraid way she, she might sleep. stop breathing yeah. when she sleeps. And well, right, a bag exactly. is just yeah, yeah. the most utilitarian thing to fall asleep inside of. She started it because John would watch her while she slept. Yeah, and then eventually he was like, "I'm getting too tired." The Beatles. Uh, no, that's a Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he I'm eventually said, "Thank you. Yeah. The Beatles need me. <laughs> they need me at my full, my full mental capacity." Um, okay, and everyone knows. Just like looking Ringo. at John Lennon. Yeah, everyone knows. Looking at John Lennon from like 1968 to 1972, that he slept a lot. He was obviously just always sleeping a full eight to Sleepy nine guy. hours every yeah. night, eating a really healthy diet. You know, like just he really took care of himself, so it put a toll on him. And it shows. So she had to come up with a different way to go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you well, know, PJ, she would ride around because she's oh, got uh, got the restless leg syndrome. Restless leg syndrome. <laughs> oh my god. I think I understand the one-star reviews now. <laughs> I get it. We just hit so many dumb notes in like 30 minutes of this show. Hey, that's what the listeners well, PJ, come back for. Yeah, yeah. Come back after the break for some more. You want to get to a little Jimi Hendrix talk? Let's get to some James Marshall Hendrix. On this, our final episode, talking about Jimi Hendrix. Our final. Um, boom, boom, yeah. Boom, There's going to be sound effects there. We'll cover, yeah, we'll cover Hendrix a lot episode. of territory here. We got two more year, almost two full years of his life to talk about now. So Yeah, I think that, like... Well, we're actually going to talk about a year, calendar-wise, so... Hmm. But go ahead. I feel like the 27 Club, oftentimes, before they die, they haven't done anything for a while. I don't know if that's accurate, Yeah, but that's it actually seems to be in, the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Robert Johnson, like, did all his recordings, and then it was, like, another year and a half or two years or whatever till he died. Yeah. Brian Jones, I mean, it was more months, but had just gotten fired and was just hanging out at his house for, like, four months or whatever before he died. Jimi Hendrix as well, a little, <laughs> a little spoiler, but, like, he had done a little bit of touring, but hadn't recorded anything significant, wasn't, right. like, working on anything, like, new for the last few months before he did. Yeah, that's interesting. It's very interesting. I think uh, we'll talk about maybe code. why that is. Yeah, we'll talk about maybe why that is for Jimmy at least uh, when we get there. But so Jimmy, uh, by 1969, by mid 69, nice. he is the highest paid rock musician. Oh, um, good for him. Which is a statistic tabulated apparently by his earnings uh, at a Madison Square Garden show that summer, where like his fee paid him. Fourteen thousand dollars a minute to play. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. 
So, um, so he's on top of the world. He, and being on top of the world, he is obviously invited to and agrees to perform at Woodstock. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, which is coming up at the end of the summer in 1969. Would you consider um, August the end of the summer? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Never mind. I said it out loud, and then I was like, yeah, that was a stupid thing for me to say. It, especially when Woodstock was, because I believe it's the 13th through the 15th. Is that correct? The 13th yeah. Through the, uh, 15th through the yeah. 18th. But I'd say that's the end of the summer. Like, if that's you're a exactly person the end who, of the summer. Yeah. Especially if you're a person who follows, like, a school calendar, that's absolutely, you're in the last couple weeks of summer. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, he agrees to do Woodstock. Uh, the it, significantly smaller fee, but he's still the mm-hmm. highest paid performer at Woodstock. Yeah. Uh, which shows his kind of stature in the music world at the time. Then why also did he have to go on on a Monday? Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, also kind of interesting, just he's, I I was kind of racking my brain for other artists who are this famous for festival appearances. Yeah. Like equally as famous as some of their albums and stuff. Oh, oh. I, it's pretty I wild one. that he's like, he has two different festival appearances that both have like these iconic music history performances, you know? Right. Um. So the only other ones I could think of were like Tupac's like maybe, Ghost. Say again? Uh, Tupac's Hologram. Oh, yes, of course, Tupac's Hologram. Uh, no, I was going to say Queen at Live Aid, maybe. That's like a really iconic kind of music yeah. history thing. But it's also, they, it was only one time, and it's not quite, I feel like, the pillar that like him at Monterey and him at Woodstock is. So. No, because you hear about like you know monterey was like the first festival show yeah. basically at all um and then woodstock was the biggest one and hendrix fucking slayed both times yeah i is there anybody else who played both that's a really i'm sure there were uh, uh, but i don't know off the top of my head i mean no one that created like two indelible images of yeah right like i know jimmy history. played both i don't know about anybody else who played both yeah so anyway, just kind of an interesting thing. Uh, so for Woodstock, the band uh, consisting of Jimmy uh, Mitch Mitchell and a guy named Billy Cox is playing bass with the band at this point. Um, we'll get to it in a minute. Uh, after Woodstock, there's a lot more details with Noel Redding, but Noel Redding's in and out of the lineup at this point um, okay. due to fat mattress commitments. And also he's... Uh, <sighs> yeah, of yeah, He's not... He's not super friendly with Jimmy. So Billy Cox is actually the uh, the guy from the army. If you remember from our first episode, yeah. when Jimmy was getting t- teased in the army. Hilarious. <laughs> when Jimmy was teased in army, um, <laughs> he uh, called his mom Lucille. And then uh, Billy Cox was like one of the guys who befriended him. And they started playing yeah. like at the canteen together on Saturday nights or whatever. So Hell anyway. yeah, brother. So he's in the lineup, Mitch Mitchell, Jimi Hendrix, and then they add a rhythm guitar player and two conga players. Groovy. Uh, they're trying to pull a Santana here. I yeah, guess. I was going to say they didn't just use the guys from Santana. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was the same guys. That'd be really funny. I'd be um, shocked if they had more than two. Cause yeah. I feel like every footage I've seen from Woodstock, there's always the two conga players up there. Yeah, yeah. with every band. They just stay on yeah. stage for every single band. Uh, Sean on on, two conga players. <laughs> <laughs> kept telling them to stop they're trying to do acapella but it didn't work yeah yeah 
Um, they all rehearsed for less than two weeks before they played at the at Woodstock, and Mitch Mitchell apparently said that they never really gelled. Although, uh, I think at least what I listened to on the recording, they sound pretty solid. Like they, yeah. it doesn't sound like a band that really has no idea what's happening. So, um, so when they show up to Woodstock, Jimmy was very nervous because he apparently has. He apparently was nervous playing in front of really huge crowds, uh, which is interesting because he'll play in front of several huge crowds. Like he plays at apparently the largest festival of the era was in Atlanta, I think, in 1970. Huh. Um, it was like half a million people or something, and he played like the headline slot at that and was okay, I guess. But interesting. Anyway, he was okay. very nervous about it. Um, so. He was supposed to play Sunday night. It ends Monday morning. He was supposed to play Sunday night, like last night headliner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he decides he's going to play Monday morning instead um, so that he there's not so much pressure on him. Right. Uh, so they take the stage at 8 a.m. to play instead. And they're the very last band to play the show. And his strategy worked because apparently there were as many as 400,000 people at Woodstock at like the peak attendance. But by Monday morning, they estimate it was down to about a tenth of that. 35 40,000 ish so wow mm-hmm. people had to get back to work yeah <laughs> uh hippie joke um <laughs> so when also apparently by 8 a.m monday jimmy had been up for the whole weekend he had been awake the whole weekend so speaking of, i mean he needed yoko's trick i guess yeah um, um you know jimmy like, seems like a guy they, who doesn't sleep you know well we'll get to that again later in this episode too but yes he definitely doesn't seem like a guy who sleeps a lot and uh he apparently like collapsed when he came off stage after playing this show too so his nerves and adrenaline and everything got to him i mean got him through the set but Uh, they played for like a full two hours so yeah um not surprising he's just completely beat he's just in shock did anybody get him a wet towel on a granola bar probably I mean, it was like wet, but it was also just covered in mud. So, yeah. um, yeah. So, also, this is where the name. We'll hear it a little bit, and some clips we'll play. But this is where the name "Band of Gypsies" comes from. That we're going to talk about the "Band of Gypsies" album. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll hear that in the clip, and then obviously, I guess most famously, plays the his interpretation of the Star Spangled Banner. My um, favorite song. Yeah, which, again, as we just talked about, like, along with setting his guitar on fire at Monterey Pop are, like, the two probably most famous, like, music festival moments in history. Yeah, I would... In a good way. Yeah. <laughs> in a positive way. I mean, direction. well, I hate to keep bringing this up, but, I mean, Tupac's hologram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. The whole world stopped when they, they called it the hologram heard around the world. <laughs> um, And then, you know, obviously Altamont and like Woodstock 99 are probably the two most famous festival moments the other day. Afterward, yeah. (laughs) Just in in a negative context. So do we want to listen to a little bit of, we're going to play off a Hendrix Estate uh, (laughs) approved release from 1999 (laughs) of almost his entire show. You know... So I heard something interesting. We talked last week about how, or well, I think we've talked a few times about how litigious uh, his estate is now and how stingy they are with giving stuff out. Mm-hmm. Apparently, when he was still alive, he just did not give a shit. Like, he would let anybody use his music no. on anything. 
he signed a lot of bad contracts yeah. and yeah like did not care at all about controlling his music which is it makes me wonder if that's maybe why they're so tight-fisted about it now it's just that he was right. like so irresponsible when he was alive and signing everything that once they got control of it they're not letting that go that could be i wonder who's in charge of his estate yeah i don't know i think i looked up or just when i was reading about this album it was just called like the hendrix family estate which it literally could just be a team of lawyers now like yeah. He might not have direct relatives involved anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Or it might be his direct. I mean, I guess he didn't have kids, so it'd have to be a, you know, like his mom but... took it when he was, right. you know, okay. Yeah. yeah who knows how sense. it worked? No, All his right. mom died. So his dad. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but he had siblings. Anywho, so it's called Live at Woodstock, is the album. It's on Spotify if people want to listen. The only things they cut out were, uh, in some of the jams, the rhythm guitar player got some solos and they apparently cut those out. <laughs> and then they cut out again. I think it was the rhythm guitar player like had a couple songs that he threw in the mix for the set and they cut those out too. They just put the Jimmy songs very on funny. there. All right. So we'll listen to the introduction here. Ladies and gentlemen, the Jimmy Hendrix experience. This is going to sound dumb, but this doesn't sound like it's outside. <laughs> it's pretty well recorded. Like, for the time and for how slapdash Woodstock was, it's yeah. really well recorded. Oh, there are those congas. Hell yeah. The congas start and end the show every time. <laughs> it was in their contract. I'll say that with you. We explored our mind too much. We have Larry Lee playing guitar over there. We got Jimmy playing congas over there. Jimmy. And I love that the crowd knows Mitch Mitchell and is in, like yeah. so excited for him over anyone else. And then we got Jerry Villas on combos too. <laughs> he forgot there was a second combo player, of course. Oh, I love that part so much. <laughs> I love him tuning with all of his effects on. That's very funny. Like we only had about two rehearsals, so we'll just do nothing but primary rhythm plays. But I mean, it's the first way the new risers then anyway, so we must start from the earth, which is rhythm. Yeah, he's high. That's awesome. Yeah. You want to do Spanish Castle Magic? Yeah. So, yeah, we're just um, kind of hitting the high notes of the...
Jimi Hendrix, famously very into castles. So what's weird is that on Spotify and Wikipedia, this is listed in the track listing as Spanish Magic Castle, not Spanish Castle Magic. Interesting. Yeah. And I do not know why. Huh. Yeah. Oh, the cover of this album is awful. Yes, it's very, very much looks like a compilation that came out in 1999. Yeah, I see, and I didn't listen to this one on Spotify. I was telling Peter this before we oh, yeah. started. I listened to my vinyl of Woodstock. Um, nice. Because I thought this was like a bootleg or something because mm-hmm. of the cover. It, yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> well, and to make it confusing, they apparently like... A couple years before, there was like an unofficial version called Woodstock Live, okay. and then they released the real one, differentiated by calling it Live at Woodstock. Yeah, I'm glad that they pulled yeah. the Beach Boys thing. Yeah, right. I'm just impressed. Like, I mean, it's a little loose, but they don't sound like they've barely played together. No, they sound good. And and like, it like that could yeah. just be Hendrix being the greatest guitar player of all time. Yeah, but. I mean, I guess it really does come down a lot on these songs yeah. to just the drums and guitar. And, yeah. like, everyone else can just kind of, like, thump along in the background okay, and, like, you know, I mean, it, they'll handle it'll. The song will still turn out. See, I agree to a certain extent, except those conga players, they really have to, you know, they bring down so in there. Yeah, yeah so like, that's true. I'm surprised that they got it first time around, man. They're yeah. killing it. That's it, true. This, that's what makes this song for me. Yeah. Uh, I get it. I get it, PJ. Uh, do we want to go ahead and go to Voodoo Child? Yes. Voodoo Child. A lot of covers, surprisingly. Yeah. Or like live tracks that weren't on any of his albums or anything. You know? So, like, I understand having perfect tone in the studio but to be this fucking good at Woodstock like yeah like everybody notoriously sounded like shit at Woodstock because the sound was bad that is oh yeah perfect tone dude yeah I'm impressed by by this recording and then also just their playing where like he's doing I've only really ever heard like maybe Jimmy Page do this as well but like in terms of replicating studio riffs like pretty exact like being able to play it as well as you do in the studio even if it's a really hard riff yeah and then adding on like little things here and there to make it you know more interesting or more fun to play live all the time like jimmy is crushing these guitar lines it's pretty incredible This one goes into a really long jam, uh, which is actually pretty good. Uh, but they weirdly stop in the middle of, I mean, I know they play for like two hours, but they stop it in the middle for him to reintroduce everyone who's playing again huh. <laughs> and then like start the song up yeah. again. And it's just very interesting. But once again, I don't know if we'll listen that far, but once again, Mitch Mitchell gets a huge round of applause and like barely anyone else is acknowledged. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Maybe it's just because he has like a recognizable name and so they remember it off the albums yeah i was also thinking about the introductions thing first of all it was a lot it was way more common to introduce the band 
like pre 1980 maybe like it was way more of a thing whereas if you go to shows now hardly ever they hardly ever introduce the band I really like. i feel like we're going yeah. to different shows then man oh interesting yeah i do not i am surprised always at a concert when they introduce the band really i yeah I ex- like I feel like bands now expect you to know the band members and then if they have touring members then it's like one in five bands will take the time out to be like and then this is our buddy Jason or whatever playing Paul McCartney keyboards. did when we saw Paul McCartney he introduced his entire that's band. true but he's from a different era PJ that's true most shows I go to they introduce the whole band that's very interesting to me. Maybe I honestly, I mean, because of COVID, I haven't been to a show in so long. It's like, been a long maybe time. Maybe I'm misremembering, yeah. but I went to a decent amount of shows, and I, I would say it was pretty rare, to the point where, like, when I would listen to old live recordings, it would always surprise me. Like, yeah, where they would always oh. introduce them. But my, my thought is, it's two things. Like, first of all, the only way you know band members is if they have their pictures and names on the album, which not every band did. It's true. Or if you, like, read a magazine article about them, and they're, like, clearly labeled and photographed, which, like, again, like, not everybody's getting, you know, the issue of Rolling Stone with a big article on, like, Credence. Yeah. And then also, but for Jimi Hendrix specifically, like, he is part of a very recognizable trio, so to show up for the first time with, like, a five-piece band and only one other guy anyone has seen before, it makes sense to introduce him still. Um my brother who i think i've talked about on the podcast before you know just kind of a weird dude who's out of it just a real dirtbag but um he uh there was i met one of my musical heroes and i took a picture and i posted it on i don't remember if it was facebook or instagram but he just said who's that and then i responded to him and i was like uh it's you know it's josh ritter um you know he's like i i love him i love his music and he was like, why do you know what he looks like? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, my favorite, this is a quote, I believe. Um, my favorite band is Franz Ferdinand, and I don't know what any of them look like. And I think that statement tells you everything you might <laughs> need really to know funny. about my brother. Yeah. Um, that's kind of incredible. I, um, yeah. I mean, I kind of get that, but like, I really think I know any band I'm a big fan of mostly into oh definitely a big fan your favorite band you yes. know what all of them look oh like. yeah you know all of their names. no and any band i even get like mild like into for a while yeah. i'm gonna at least you know, know all the members like. names for yeah. like a while yeah i'll exactly. forget it eventually but i'll know their names and what they look like yeah it really bugged me actually the other day because i was doing a deep dive this is a great song uh oh, i was doing good. a yeah. deep dive on an old on a band that I haven't listened to in a while, but was getting really I just like went through their whole back catalog again, and it bugged the shit out of me because I could not remember their drummer's name. I could remember everyone else's name, and I was like, ah, oh, that's sad. I Come need on. to listen need to these guys beat. more often. What's the band? Uh, it's the band Parquet Courts. Oh yeah, we got into Parquet Courts again at the knew, same time. Yeah, and I knew. Them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that one song is what got got me into them. Um, she's rolling, and uh. Yeah, I could remember every band name and member's name except the drummer, and it it was it was not good. Uh, Max Savage. Yes, I knew he was someone's brother, but I also couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah, he's Dan Terrible. Savage's brother. You know, from yes, growing Dan pains Savage's or whatever. Brother. Yeah. So here he is introducing the band again, but let's uh let's get to the Star Spangled Banner. 
All right. Peter, you're going to need to take off your hat. Put it on my chest. Yes. Oh, yeah. I always stand and salute the anthem. No. Okay. Fuck that. Okay. But. Getting too right one. You have been to. We'll talk about this after. Okay. We can talk about it now if you want. I just wanted to. Sure. I don't know what you're talking about. You've been to sporting events. Not recently, but where they play the Star Spangled Banner. And does everybody look at you weird? Like, I don't put my hand on my heart or take my hat off. Yeah, no, I've never had it be weird. And I I think I've only been in one situation where I've been like, this might be weird for me to not do it, but I still didn't do it. But now I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, it was at a Giants game. I actually went to a lot of Giants games during the pandemic because they're outdoors, so it felt a lot safer. Um, And they did distance seating and shit, but... Only the only time, oh yeah, I went to a Giants game, I think on Veterans Day, and so it was like a big deal. And I was like, no, I'm extra not into it now. I'm only going because like I had the day off today and it's a nice afternoon, you know? Like, but that's the only time where I've been vaguely nervous about anyone saying something, but no, no one gives a shit. So we'll hear a lot more of this, or not a lot more, but some more of this on Band of Gypsies, but this is after using effects like the wah pedal and um, talk box and all that to kind of just, I don't know, be oh, a crazy good like guitar player. Ambulance. Yeah, he he then moves on in his like guitar playing journey to then trying to mimic like real noises with his guitar. So here he's obviously trying to do the... Uh, the rockets and then there's a a song coming up where he's like imitating war noises and gunfire which similar to star strangled banner um similar sounds but it's a it's a very Jimi hendrix thing it's a thing that i feel like i've read a lot about him being admired for i think it's impressive technically but i'd never want to listen to it (laughs) yeah does that Like, it's impressive that he can do this, but I do not find it fun to listen to. Uh, here here come more cries and screams. Oh, no, there's taps. The military bugle call. Oh, sure. Yeah, he's got to throw that in there. Did you know, Peter? Yeah. You just take a close listen. Jimmy intentionally played the song with heavy distortion to simulate the sounds of warfare. Interesting. Uh, around this time, America was It's almost was like in, he always wait, uses heavy distortion in all right? of his songs. But around this time, America was in war, and it's supposed sure. to sound like missiles whizzing through the air, exploding, sure. while people are screaming. This was an anti-war rendition. Is this a rendition. YouTube comment? <laughs> yeah. By some guy who was like, my uncle was there, and yeah. I can tell you exactly what's going on. This is the um, best anti-war speech I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, his he had a quote, he was asked about it, like, I assume after the movie and soundtrack came out, because it's not like anyone would have known what this sounded like until then in the public. Yeah. So he, there was some quote, though, where he was like, yeah, it's not like an anti-American thing. He's like, I was playing the anthem to play the anthem, because, like, I, I'm American. It's just, that's what America sounds like right now, man, which is the most, like, 1969 shit I've ever heard. Oh, absolutely. It's also interesting, a little bit, because we're definitely living through a period in history now that is 
most similar to either the 1860s or the 1960s <laughs> in terms of uh, divisiveness. And right, right, right. it's like, it feels quaint basically compared to, I feel like what someone would do at a protest now, kind of. Yeah. It's very, very mild. Um, yeah. Which I guess I'm not saying there's not room for that. It's just like the idea of someone, I guess just cause the internet doesn't exist. I'm like, honestly, yeah. someone could do that now. It's just the only difference is they would get roasted on the internet from people where it's like, yeah. then you would just read it and then be like, okay, yeah, <laughs> like that's the end of it. Well, and people would be like, why did you, why did you even yeah. play the anthem at all? That's such yeah. like exactly symbolism. like you would just get yeah everyone in the world's opinion piling on and then it would just be yeah so whatever. Uh, but yeah, that's as far as basically so, Peter saying fuck the internet, fuck America. Yeah. Uh, he said yeah. it, not me, folks. He said it, not yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna argue with any of your points. So that's some highlights uh, from the Gypsy Sun and Rainbows, a.k.a. Band of Gypsies, playing at Woodstock. Yeah. So, uh, PJ, do you want to take a break and then come back and talk about the album, Band of Gypsies, and go track you know what? by track? Let's take a little teensy-tinesy break. And we'll be right back. And welcome back to the Rolling Stone. Oh, my oh, gosh. you fucked oh, up. Oh, no. And welcome back to the 27 Club. You know I'm going to leave that in, right? We're talking the final the final days of Jimi Hendrix here. And uh, we're going to talk about next his final uh, album of recorded music. Not even his final studio album because it's a live album. But yeah, um, I think probably just because his discography is so short, it's generally kind of included as like one of his official albums. Um Although Which generally, yeah, like previously live albums have been, you know, kind of on a different level, but. Right. Well, and I don't know. Yeah. I, I think like you said, we have, there's so little of his work. This kind of has to be thrown in there. Um, I feel like it makes a difference too, that it's a totally new band and there's like some new songs that were never yeah. recorded other places. So that it kind of makes it more, yeah, official yeah. feeling. Um. And what was I going to say? Oh, um, we're not going to rate, I think, his Woodstock performance because that would. Um, no. I, we don't want to. Simply, no. simply put. <laughs> simply put, I mean, it, it wasn't an album, really. Like, if no. there had been, I mean, there was a Woodstock album, but, but the Jimmy Hendrix Woodstock album. album. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the, his recordings from Woodstock only came out in 99. So, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're just talking about it because it's a famous uh, part of his history. Okay. History. Um, yeah. What if history was history? Um, so the Band of Gypsies, uh, I mean, we just heard a little bit of their formation on that Woodstock track, uh, but they were formed after the Experience breakup in 1969. 
Right. Uh, so in February or so that year, Noel uh, starts getting sick and tired of Jimmy's creative control and unpredictability. And um, which mostly chalked up to Noel and Mitch showing up to the studio in the morning ready to go and Jimmy not rolling in until the afternoon and then not having songs written and just wanting to jam and then Honestly, baller move. Yeah. Yeah, apparently there was one apparently story that, that Noel like gave as an example where showed up in the morning, Jimmy didn't show up for a couple hours, so he went to the pub for a few hours, came back, Jimmy still hadn't showed up. Then when he did show up, he was just like, yeah, I don't know. Let's just figure it out in the studio. Let's just start playing. And he just quit. He just walked out that day. He's like, <laughs> no, I'm done. So, which is also kind of funny because like, I mean, I get that usually you book studio time. Right. But wouldn't you just like as Jimmy's manager, wouldn't you just be like, look, Jimmy, we're going to start at 9 a.m. And then you just book the studio time for 2 p.m. Yeah. Right? Like, don't, yeah. And just tell Nolan Mitch, like, look, don't show up before two. He won't. So who gives a shit? Like, that can easily be fixed. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) So by the time they head back to the record plant in April uh, of that year, Noel had officially quit and, or had quit at least temporarily. Like, he had, you know, yeah. Yeah. Was not wanting to record with them. And this is when Jimmy calls in Billy Cox for the first time to come play bass with the group. Uh, um, yeah. Billy Cox, what huh? That? What an unfortunate name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they do. Uh, Noel, like I kind of said, is in and out of the lineup a little bit. So in June, they play the Denver Pop Festival at Mile High Stadium, uh, which was one of the bad ones. The police tear gassed the crowd oh. there were too many people there. Um. So, and this is the last live performance uh, with those three members of the experience. Um, Before the show, apparently, like, so Noel came back to play the show. I assume it was booked out in advance, and he was like, well, I I have to go play. Right. Even though I'm not really wanting to record with the band. So he shows up. uh, Before the show, a journalist asked him why he was there, since Jimmy had announced a few weeks ago that Billy Cox replaced him in the band. Uh, so after the festival, like the day after, Noel officially quits, all pissed because Jimmy never told him <laughs> that he actually was replaced. He's like, I just left the studio and assumed you guys played without a bass. Uh, but no, you actually got someone else. So very funny. Who, also who's... really funny, again, that the manager would not have like Stepped let some in. people know yeah. that anything was happening, but just been like, so Noel's showing up to that festival, right? I don't know, I guess. So yeah. is like was Billy just there backstage in case Noel didn't come? Did they know? It's so confusing. Right. Who who do you think is at fault in that? I mean the manager obviously. The manager like a thousand percent. And but, a little bit Jimmy, but it's like if Jimmy fires you from his band, his manager should be calling you to talk about those details. And it's not like he got fired though. He left. Yeah, true. I think I think it was one of those things where like he left but he's officially like fired when they bring in someone to replace him. You know, like if they were, if he was just playing in the studio with like Mitch and like laying down bass tracks himself or something. Yeah. But he like actually got a new member to replace him officially in the band. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense. Anyway. So apparently later on, Noel, uh, and you know, this is, um, after he died. So like, take it with a grain of salt. Cause people always, are not mean to dead people, but he was, he was like, 
very much said he did not dislike Jimmy, just they got on each other's nerves from hanging out too much together in the studio and on tour and didn't really have like a friendship outside of that. Like it was just a working relationship. So they got annoyed with each other, which could be true. It's just like, that feels like something you would say when someone interviews you after he dies. That's basically what the stones say about, um, Brian Jones about Brian Jones. Now, even though like the main ones didn't even bother fucking go to the funeral. They didn't know exactly. And also he like literally beat up a woman so bad. Yeah. That they thought she was going to die and like fled from Morocco. No, he was a bad man. None I wouldn't have shown up to his sense. fucking funeral yeah. either. But now so, they talk about him in, with like such good memories and yeah. shit. Like, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I guess just take it with a grain of salt. Like who right. really knows. Um. So the album Band of Gypsies was released uh, basically as part of a contractual agreement, which is the best way to make art. Um, so in 1965, this is an example of a weird, bad contract he signed. He had signed a contractor with a producer named Ed Chalpin to record an album, uh, but never followed up because he got signed with Trick or whatever his record company was in Britain and, you know, started releasing other albums. So the guy took him to court and it took a few years, but in by 1968, they settled, uh, basically saying that Jimmy would record a new album and Chalpin would get, like, the distribution rights for it, essentially. Man, that sucks. Yeah. So he, uh, what they end up doing is he gets together with Billy Cox, who he is already playing with, and Buddy Miles, who showed up on a couple tracks uh, in Electric Ladyland. He forms a trio with them, and this is the official trio, Band of Gypsies. And... um they do a little bit of playing together, recording and touring. Yeah. Uh, and then the thing that for the album, they do four shows at the Fillmore East in San Francisco um, that they're going to record and put out as the album. Cool. So the band broke up actually like right after these shows. They formed, I think, in the late summer of 69 okay. and then record it over New Year's Eve, 69 into 70. And then they break up at the early, beginning of February 1970 um after a performance at madison square garden where jimmy was like really out of it in the whole time and in a bad mood and was like yelling at people and um he was like alternately like really mean and like snapping at people and also like falling asleep the whole time like just out of it so heroin then is what happened something so buddy miles claimed that their manager uh gave him lsd before the show Cause he was like trying to screw with Jimmy so that the band would break up. Like he didn't want the uh, band to be the band. Like he wanted, he wanted the experience back. Yeah. He didn't want the band of gypsies to become his. So he gave, band. he so saved some of that money. bad acid from Woodstock. Yeah. So he apparently brought this up to the manager, Michael Jeffrey, and he fired him on the spot and Billy Cox quit in protest. So the band of gypsies was done. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that bummer. So very interesting. And then we'll get to it a little bit after after we talk about the album. But they do get the experience back together in a in a way and keep touring. But first, let's uh, do some track by track for Band of Gypsies. Uh, so the album was released in March of 1970. It went to number five in the U.S. and number six in the U.K. But just I guess right before we get to the track by track. The album art, we got to talk about one more time. <laughs> Every Christ. single Jimi Hendrix album 
has a problem. Let me throw it in this chat here for you, PJ. I think I might know uh, the problem with this one. So the US version was fine if boring. Like it's just, yeah. a, again, a photo of him playing live. Uh, kind of like his favorite um, shit or like their Electric favorite Lady shit in Land. the world to pop on an album. Yeah. Like. And it's like just pretty boring. But the again, the uh, it's track records. I guess I said trick earlier. The track records UK cover. Well, you know, last time they did 19 naked ladies on the cover. They had to one up it here and make it even worse album cover. Whoa. It is. <laughs> I don't almost Jesus even really know how to describe Christ. it. So it's, it's puppets, like uh, not full uh, size, but like, like Muppet size puppets, yeah. you know? So they're like kind of like child height of uh, Jimi Bob. Hendrix, Brian Jones. Again, Bob Dylan, they're tied like? together. Bob Dylan. And then who's the fourth guy? I have no idea. I could I picked out Brian Jones and Bob Dylan, but uh, this might be the, the fourth guy looks like that, that guy in Chicago who uh, tricked everybody into learning his karate. That wasn't a real thing. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, no, but I feel like I do. John Peel. That's why I didn't remember it because I don't remember who it is. Who, who is f- a English disc jockey? He was the longest serving of the original BBC Radio 1 DJs. Okay. Um, so, apparently. Um, so not anyone who would, like, I don't think he would know his face. Maybe he no. was probably really famous back then. but Probably. Still. Anyway, but it's so it's like these four puppets, just like all, and there's not anyone's hands in them, so they're all just no. like flopped over onto each other. And then they're sitting just on like this dingy floor in front of like corrugated tin. It looks it's like so they took it outside ugly. of a fucking warehouse. Like, yeah, and they looks, also took the photo at this weird angle that just it all looks like something you would find in an alley. And you'd just be like, oh, that's just trash. Wait, is that a puppet of Jimi Hendrix? No, it's just trash. Wait, no. Oh, it might be a puppet of him, but it's also just a bunch of trash. Yeah. It's Holy so shit. fucking strange. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. I hate yeah. Bob Dylan's eyes. I hate it's them. truly maybe the weirdest album cover I've ever seen. Nightmarish, some would yeah. say. So, anyhow. Oh, wow. That's awful. Let's uh let's see. So the first the first track on Band of Gypsies went to did I already say what it charted as? I think I did. I, I don't think so. Number 5 in the US, number 6 in the UK. Pretty good. Okay. I don't yeah. think there was a single, but doesn't matter. Uh, number one track or the first track who knows what a an incredible start to a live album it's I love this song but oh, I mostly yeah. love this song because of the bass line. Bass line's great. It's but such then, a groovy bass line. It's a, it's a great intro. Phenomenal bass line. And then, like I said earlier with Jimmy at Woodstock, his tone is immaculate. Like, how do you yeah. get this tone live? Yeah. It's crazy, man. So, on this album... um. So which one of them singing back up? Because I love it. Uh, so Buddy Miles sings okay. on every on almost every song, and then he sings lead on one of the songs we'll talk right. about. 
Yeah, we'll get to it when we get to yeah. it. But um, the the best backup Jimmy has had as far as vocals. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's awesome. Yeah. What else is he? I done? agree. I don't know. I mean, I think he was a jazz guy, if I remember correctly. Oh, he's. For some reason, I was expecting a white guy. Um, not not based on. No, his this was. Yeah. No, this um, was like I don't want to say famous. Like it's weird to say famously, but he was like it was kind of interesting that it was him and then these two white dudes with like white boy afros, right. and then he went very black basically for this group. Like they were like yeah black dudes who played like blues and soul and jazz and like yeah he kind of went the other way from like the white psychedelic yeah, world into and like I think, the I think the that's other why world. I was thinking that I was like he played with two white dudes before these must be white dudes too. And um, now it makes sense why it's just so good. Like So Buddy Miles, um, he did a lot of things, but most importantly, he sang lead vocals on the California Raisins commercials. Oh my God, that's awesome. He recorded two California Raisins R&B albums. Hilarious. Uh, let's see. So he founded Electric Flag, which I don't really know any of their music, but I've heard of. Yeah. And then he... The Buddy Miles Express was his band, um, and then he also played with Carlos Santana. Different. He's good. Different times. Yeah. Like not only is he like, I don't, cause he's doing. Is he? You, is he the drummer? Is he the? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's the yeah. drummer. Sorry. So and then Billy Cox, the bass player, we right. talked about a few times. Well, and band. that's what was also confusing, cause I didn't expect the drummer to be the guy who was doing backup vocals. Right, I know it's a little weird. I did. I double checked, and I'm like, did I get those names right? Like, because yeah. after I listened to the album a few times, it was like surprising that he's singing, but he's singing. It's so cool. So, That's such a cool um, move. So but, apparently, Electric Flag, he was, he sang lead on a lot of songs for them too. Yeah, his band which I get. He's got a wonderful yeah. voice. It's great. Yeah. The song kicks ass. This song really, really rules. It's and I love like so. This uh, album's only six songs. Yeah. The first half here only has two tracks on it that are nine and a half and twelve and a half minutes long. <laughs> so That's awesome. and like this song really is a great long jam. Yeah. I'm like maybe sh- let's go to like seven minutes. I want to get to the scat. <laughs> Oh, that's like it. That's coming up. That's here. Oh, okay. Yep, there we go. So then Buddy Miles starts fucking jazz scatting on this song. And it's awesome. Yeah, at first I was like, really? Jimmy's playing a sweet guitar solo and we decided to let a guy scat over it? But also, and then every subsequent listen, it was like, no, this actually rules. It's really cool. See, this is one I... At first, I thought it was Jimmy, and I was like, wow, his voice is a lot higher. And I was like, no, that's not Jimmy, dude. Yeah. But it's so cool. And then this part, oh. It's real quiet. Dude, Fuddy Miles is cool as shit. Yeah. And he's like scatting wah guitar too. Yeah. It's so 
It's cool. It's, it's like, really cool. Like, if somebody explained this to me with words, I'd be like, that's yes. stupid. But it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it rules. Um, should we move on to Machine Gun? Yes, sir. Such a draggy scene that's going on. All the soldiers that are fighting in Chicago and Milwaukee and New York. Oh, yes, and all the soldiers fighting in Vietnam. But they do a thing called machine gun. So, this is the other song where he, uh, yeah, mimics war noises. Is that the rapport of M16 fire we hear? Oh, I thought it was a guy knocking. Oh, yeah. It says, I remember my time in Vietnam, and it pretty accurately represents the soundscape here. Yeah. Well, Charlie was always playing his guitar up in the trees. That's right. I will say, as iconic as the Star Spangled Banner performance is, he does the same thing here so yeah. much better because there's a fucking groove track behind it. Yeah. And yeah. then words, obviously. Yeah, I... I think I honestly just feel the same as I do about the Star Spangled Banner with this. I... I get that it's super impressive, and it tech- it really is, like, that he can play, uh, but I do not find it super interesting to listen to, so. I like this song. Um, I think it goes on a bit too long, I will say that. Um, yeah, this is the 12 and a half minute one. Which, I think any song, is there a song that I like that's over 10 minutes? There has to be. Maybe just not a jam that's over 10 minutes. Well, I'm But there's to think for of... sure, like, proggy songs, I feel like, that have different sections that they move between, you know, that's probably over 10 minutes long. I'm, I think the only thing I can think of that I might like where there's a song over 10 minutes is maybe on the remake of Smile by the Beach Are you a uh, Pink Floyd guy? You know, Pete, and I don't... Because I'm like, there's probably... Okay, here what... I can go to songs in iTunes and sort by time. I I like Pink Floyd. I've never gotten super deep into them. I've probably heard every song they put out, but I'm not as into them as a lot of, like, Pink Floyd guys are, you know? Let's see. So Mountain Jam is 33 minutes and 41 seconds. Uh, Let's see... Oh, that's a live version. That doesn't count. Oh, okay. Actually, no. This song is really good. It's about an hour and 46 minutes. It's in my iTunes. It's called Brian is Back and So Are We by the Beach Boys Boys. (laughs) 
Yeah, there's a lot of not traditional songs here. Okay, so oh, nope, dazed and confused too. off of the song remains the same as 26 minutes long. Is that right? That's live though. Yeah, dazed and confused popped up for me, but it's off a live album. And then shine on you, crazy diamond is 26 minutes. Okay, so Sister Ray off White Light, White Heat is 17 minutes long. Inagata Devita is 17 minutes long. Cowgirl in the Sand, I think you... Oh, no, that's live. I mean, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood by Santa Esmeralda is 16 minutes long. It's worth listening to. Uh, let's see. I mean, Voodoo Child is 15 minutes. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You know, looking um, at it, there's... Oh, Freebird, obviously. Sex Machine by Sly and the Family Stone is... Hell, uh, yeah. Where did that go? 13 and a half, I think. Oh, uh, I'm Your Captain, Grand Funk Railroad. That's about 10 there minutes. There you go. Uh, let's see. Oh, so Pink Floyd, Shine On You Crazy Diamond. This is kind of what I was thinking of. Shine On You Crazy Diamond Part 1 through 3 or whatever is I, 13 and a half minutes. I said that about two minutes ago. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I heard it through the So we're just, are we ending so, the show now or is it just over? Yeah, go fuck yourself, Pete. Okay, cool. God damn. I'm just kidding. You just don't listen to me. Oh, uh, well, I heard you actually. I misread it. I was actually looking at Shine On You Crazy Diamond Part 6 through 8. Oh, okay. So different, completely different. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess there's a lot of songs that are... Yeah, of course there are. I just, you know, I think you're right about that jam thing. Like a jammy yeah. song that's over 10 minutes, I'm not going to be into. Right. So speaking of which, next song is Changes. Yeah. Them changes. changes. So this is the Buddy Miles song. Yeah. Hell yeah. I love all of these songs have like a soft intro and then the real intro. And yeah. it gets me headbanging every time. Um, this song absolutely this, fucking Yeah, rips. this riff. This riff is really great, and then and I love Buddy Miles' voice okay. so much. I, gave, I we need to I need to look up Electric Flag, man. I really love. I, I gave his Noel stuff Redding so much shit for being able to sing on both albums. He deserved Buddy Miles. Yes, deserves exactly. It. If so Buddy Miles rules. was part of the band, of course he should be on there. But this band isn't called the Jimi Hendrix Experience, so I think True. it's fine. He's just one of the Gypsies, oh, dude. Um, I think my favorite song on the album. It's very close for me. It helps that it's the shortest one. It's only like four minutes long. Yeah. It's a normal song. Um, but yeah, this this might be the best song on the album. Maybe yeah. helped by its length. It's five minutes, but still. It is really, really good. Well, and I think he, because I know I had heard this song before, obviously. I'm pretty sure Buddy Miles recorded this later in his life, too. Hmm, yeah. Very likely. He also might have recorded it earlier, too. Like, this might be, I don't know if it's a new song to this time period. Yeah. Should we listen to a little bit of the Buddy Miles version? Whoops. Sure. 
Oh, damn. With the horns? Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, this does sound more familiar. Well, my mind is going through the yeah. This feels like one I would have heard on Sirius XM. Like yeah. Absolute yeah. banger. Um, and, you know, I think he deserved to be on yeah. the album. For sure. Noel Redding did not. <laughs> All right. Power to Love. Shit. <laughs> so I think this is the song that makes me question whether Changes is my favorite song because just it's just for so that little good. section alone, yeah. it's worth listening to over and over and over again. Oh, dude, it is good. such a good rip it's so good and then like i are there there have to be words on this yeah i mean someone's yeah. vocal credited with singing but i'm like i don't even remember what the words are i feel like the words on this one are a little and then that part when he gets to that sweet clean guitar yeah Actually, that might be the bass, because it sounded like it was distorted guitar playing at the same time. I think that's Billy Cox playing way up high. You think so? I think it was both. Which rules? Them. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's, dude, it's so good. Yeah. I mean, these versions are really good. It's just we've talked on the show before about my preference for studio music and I, it makes me really wish these were recorded in studio with this band because I feel like they'd be even cooler but or even better and then this part fucking rules oh, yeah. I think it's okay. I think this is where lyrically it gets a little eye roll for me, but I don't care about the lyrics. It just okay. sounds good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this song absolutely rips. Yeah, well, and there's like six riffs that they keep going through too, and yeah. every one is as cool as the last one. That's Hendrix for you, man. Yeah. See it. And this is what I was talking about last week, where it's like, I feel dumb being like, ah, Hendrix, you did it again. Because fucking obviously, you know? Yeah. Um, I know, but then with Band of Gypsies, I kind of thought, I was different. like, I haven't really heard of this one that much. Like, 
people don't talk about it. There aren't like normal length songs on it. Like maybe it's yeah. not gonna be that good. And there's definitely parts of it that aren't that great, but that's true on all of his albums, so. All right, I'm gonna go to Message to Love. You know, people playing live at the Fillmore East has come out with a hell of a lot of great guitar music. Yeah, what a great riff. And once again, they do like the double intro thing. Yeah. I love that chord change. I don't know enough musically to know what it is, but the da na na, and it's like a weird like minor key thing, but then the song's not in that, like not in a minor key. Yeah. So it's just this weird little kick, and it's very cool. so good and then also i think again buddy miles or someone singing along with the guitar riff which is really cool going which is a like surprisingly cool sounding thing to do well it it, he not only is he doing it the bass and the and the guitar both playing the melody so it's three things doing the same thing and it fucking rocks yeah and then buddy miles in the back just Good. Can you imagine seeing anybody this good at guitar live? No. It'd be crazy. It's not possible anymore. Well, I know, because he's dead. I mean, there's no one currently alive. Yeah, everybody's dead. Everybody. Well, and you can't see concerts right now, so. Well, true. Ah, Clapton concerts. See Clapton concerts. That's true. You can see some artists, the artists who know what's really going on. Speaking of which, um, a, a a band from our college town. Um, okay. I'll bleep it out. It's the Hokies. Oh, okay, um, okay. My girlfriend works, uh, has like a part-time job at a bar, like Fridays and Saturdays, at a theater being a bartender. Thursdays and Fridays. Oh, your current and, girlfriend? Yeah. Oh, damn. I just didn't and know. and they cool. were they were playing uh, yeah. at the at the you know the town right next to me where she works, and apparently they all hit on her. Oh, nice. Yeah. She eventually because she had to go back into the green room and be like, "You guys want anything?" And then yeah. uh, they were or you know they were talking to her and she was like, "Oh yeah, my boyfriend is also from your guys' hometown." Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's pretty great. <laughs> Yeah. So. What piece of trash? Exactly. I mean, I already knew they were trash bags because they're a bluegrass group, but. Oh no, they're a, they're a rock group that's influenced by bluegrass. Okay. According to the website. Oh, um, that's cool. You went and read up on their website after you heard that. Well, I, I like, goddamn, to... who are these guys? <laughs> I wanted. I looked them up because I wanted to see which ones were hitting on her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. We gotta live together. Which is, is the, the left, final the track. The final track, yeah. yeah. Is this a... So it changes his Buddy Miles, and then this is the other Buddy Miles track. Written song. Mm. 
I will say the back. I, I know we're not listening to all of the songs all the way through, but that back half on this album goes quick because it's such a long. I guess front half. Yeah, because yeah. they're so long, and then like these songs just seem like they're like you know. It's also really funny that I don't know if it's Buddy or Billy Cox who's talking, but they're like, so everyone clap along, yeah, clap along, and uh, sing along too. And it's not a song anyone knows. Yeah. Like they start singing the song and everyone in the crowd is just like, are we supposed to, is this, were we supposed to know this song? I, I don't are know. We, are like, we clapping or singing? I can't do both. Yeah. It's just really funny because I was listening to this for the first time on a walk, so I wasn't looking at song titles. Yeah. While I was listening through, so they said that, and I was like, oh, what are they gonna cover? <laughs> like, oh, this must be a song everyone knows. No. No, it's not. This song's alright. This is probably the, my least favorite song in the album. You like it less than Machine Gun? Yes. Okay. Honestly, I don't know if this is my least favorite on the album. I I like this one. The groove is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the first song, first Hendrix song where the guitar tone is not great. Yeah, I mean, it's definitively, it's kind of like the Noel Redding songs in that it's like definitely not a Hendrix song where the guitar is the yeah. focal point. So I, I feel I just, like he usually takes a backseat kind of in that yeah. on those types of songs. Yeah. It's just very thin, and, it, it so, seems. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Take it back. Right there was good. <laughs> That's, That's a cool, cool guitar line. Yeah. yeah I, like I mean, what, he probably kicked his pedal off during the verse yeah. or whatever. I like the I like when you can hear Hendrix doing backups. Yeah. It's pretty great. So, PJ, what did you think of Band of Gypsies? Well, I gotta say, you know, and and I, you and I feel the same way about live albums, where we have more of a proclivity towards studio albums. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with a live album. I just think a lot of them suck. <laughs> this one does not suck. Yeah. Like, there are three live albums that stick out in my mind um, as being like really really good and this is one of the three this is the first time I'd listened to this album ever um, yeah. and it's so good yeah like how yeah. how does he make his guitar sound like how does he make it sound like that live Yeah. and have it be recorded that well in 1970 uh, well what he does PJ is he plugs his wah and fuzz pedal into a Marshall stack and then turns every knob all the way up. That's true. He does do that. That's all he does. That is his guitar virtuoso. Virtuosity. But it's so good, dude. Yeah, it is. It rules. Um, What about you, Pete? Yeah, I I mean, I kind of alluded to earlier, I was not expecting much from this album. I kind of thought it was going to be a throwaway with like some interesting stuff, but Mm -hmm. mostly just not that great. And after my first listen, I was feeling like oh boy um we're uh, we're in for it here uh but i really turned around like they took me a little longer to get into a lot of the songs i think a little bit because they were live they're a little more free-flowing and like jammy you know jammy obviously um even the shorter ones 
So it took me a bit. I still don't, I don't know if I quite agree with you that I like love, love it. There's definitely a couple songs on here that are up there with like the best Jimi Hendrix songs. Um, but uh, I think it's, yeah, it's surprisingly fantastic. I feel like as an album though, I won't go back to it that much. I'll just like listen to oh. two or three songs off here. So. I, I think it's solid. I think it's one yeah. of the, one of the great live albums, um, yeah. which is crazy that I'd never listened to it until now. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, what do you want to uh, rate it? Why don't you go first, Pete? I think I've gone first on all the other okay. ones. Oh, okay, okay. It's just, it's literally just because I put your name first in our notes when oh. we type in the ratings. That's that the only sense. reason why. I can start doing my name first. Um, Whatever. I think I'm going seven out of 10. It's like very, very good, but just doesn't, as a full album, doesn't quite transcend to that next level for me. I'm between an eight and a nine, I think. Yeah. Um. I think I'm going to go eight because I gave the last album, I think, an eight. Um, and I yeah. don't think it's better than that. So Fair. I'll match it. I think it's an eight. Yeah. Eight out of ten. Absolutely. Band, the band of gypsies. I would love to have heard this as a studio album with, with these, with Buddy yeah. Miles and um, Bobby Dix or whatever his name is. Billy Cox. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> Surprisingly close. Yeah, I would have loved to hear the studio album. I also kind of feel like if I had listened to this album maybe just in a different time in my life. I'm just not at a point in my life where like listening to long jammy live recordings is my thing, but I went like yeah. through several years of listening to getting, you know, live albums and bootlegs and stuff from a lot of bands and getting really into them. So I think there was maybe, yeah, I, I might've just missed the window on like totally loving band of gypsies. Maybe if you had dropped a bean while listening to this album. Yeah, I could have. I mean, that would have been, I don't know. I haven't listened to Jimi Hendrix high yet. I should try it. I mean, I'm sure he'd be great, but just interestingly, it hasn't occurred to me. Last time I think I was stoned and listened to music, it was Wings Across America. <laughs> so oh. that's kind of where my that's kind of where my vibes at right now when I'm stoned. I just want soft and cuddly. Hell you know, yeah! More Wings than, Across America rules though. More than to be I don't know challenged oh. with machine gun. <laughs> Honestly. Another great live. I wasn't even thinking about that mm -hmm. when I was talking about it. Fuck, Wings Across America is good. We should well, do a Wings podcast. I know. Well, the top live albums conversation gets hard, especially because I got, again, I got really into bootlegs for a while. So it's like yeah. official live albums is a very short list. And so is official bootleg or like unofficial bootlegs. But mm -hmm. yeah, because some of my favorite stuff is just bootleg shit that's not real. So. Um, okay. So after Band of Gypsies were broken hey, Pete, up. Real quick. Yeah. Can we can we uh take a little uh detour? Oh yeah, for sure. Detour anywhere you want. I just want to know. Oh yeah. I totally forgot we were supposed to be doing this. I was so fucking confused when you stopped me. This is a completely different type of music. What the hell it is It is. This? I just want to know what your roadhouse brew is. Oh, okay. Well, PJ, tonight I'm drinking... Roadhouse brew segment of this podcast. Yeah. Named for an upcoming artist. Maybe our... No. Not, not our, our next Not one. our next, yeah. Uh, I'm drinking what could possibly be the most roadhouse brew. Potentially. I think it's up... I think it's, it's in the conversation for most roadhouse brew. I'm drinking a classic Coors Banquet brewed with Rocky Mountain water, PJ. Ah, 
I too am drinking a Coors Banquet. Uh, I think oh, I nice. get a little bit more Roadhouse than you because mine's out of the stubby True. bottle. Yes, you get the uh, most Roadhouse credit yeah. there. Yeah. Um, or on tap. No, I think stubby bottles the most Roadhouse way. Yeah. But you gotta have a shot of Jack Daniels next to it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's the most Roadhouse order you could get. You know, I don't think there's a more famous name man named Adolf. <laughs> That's true. Adolf Coors really nailed it. That's why nobody you don't hear many Adolfs these days. Exactly. He was so good, he kind of ruined the name for everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to love love a nice Coors Golden Banquet beer. Anyway, let's talk about death. <laughs> so after Band of Gypsies broke up, Jimmy spent the rest of 1970 with his hand in a few different pies, let's say. Um, his but fingers pies in a few do different mean pies. Ladies? Yes. So are these his the experience. There's yeah, teeth these are his own fingers. Okay. No, they're his own fingers. Yeah, okay. his teeth fingers actually allergic to pie. They were allergic to. They were gluten um, intolerant. Oh, okay. They had celiacs. Yeah, so. they didn't have many alternatives back in the day. No, it was tough, and he did not eat a lot. But um, so the experience reunite with Billy Cox and Mitch Mitchell and do some touring. Um, he also builds his own studio in New York, Electric Lady Studios, which costs like I think it was like a two million at the time, which was an oh, absolutely wow. insane amount of money to spend on a studio. Yeah, that's like Apple Records type money. Um, right cost an insane amount of money went way over budget it's the ethos of the studio um was supposed to be that it was more in touch with mother earth so there were no right angles or straight lines in the entire studio it's so yeah, like all the walls and that. windows were curved and all that shit so an electric lady still exists. like they finished it it exists a lot of famous people have recorded there very notable um, albums jimmy I th- recorded there a little bit, but barely recorded there, which is kind of int- like, it's cool that he built it, but it's kind of interesting that it's that like famous of a studio. Yeah. I always kind of assumed he recorded one of his albums there and that like lent, you know, to the, to the famousness of it. But see, I had always assumed electric Ladyland was, um... yeah, kind of same. It's I, I guess. Yeah. I, if I, if you would have had me guess before we started the show, I would have said, well, that's the one that was recorded at Electric Lady because there's a song about welcome to Electric Lady Land. So like he's welcoming yeah. you to his studio. Like anyway. Um, so that's how he spent his, the rest of his year. He, when he died in September, on September 17th, he hadn't been touring for a little bit. Um, he'd been more erratic the last few months, according to accounts. He, so Jimmy, we we've mentioned a few times. I think this is worth talking about before we we wrap up the Jimi Hendrix segment. We've talked a few times about Jimmy seeming like a really cool guy, and like some other yeah. people being pissed at him and annoyed about him, about how he's acting, but us being like he just seems really chill. So one thing we never really touched on is that Jimmy was. I mean, he obviously did a lot of psychedelic drugs. He was also like for sure an alcoholic. Yeah, and according to everyone who hung out with him and knew him, he was an angry drunk and would go from being kind of mild mannered, fun Jimmy to being just a huge asshole when he was like totally drunk. Um, and would be really mean to just like random people backstage and at the studio and shit like that. Um, so he, 
mostly did psychedelic drugs. He didn't like, he definitely drank. Um, but yeah, he apparently was just a, a huge asshole. And also, um, what was the one story? Oh yeah. So we give Brian Jones a lot of shit. Uh, so one time when he was super drunk, which is not an excuse or anything except just context. Yeah. Uh, he hit his girlfriend at the time in 1969, Carmen Barrero. Oh, that's uh, it? With a vodka bottle and oh. gave her a cut that she got stitches for and everything. So <laughs> Whatever. She didn't die, did she? Well, neither did Anita Pallenberg, and we've been... But she didn't have it coming to her. It's not good either. Oh, okay. All right. Stop that shit. So uh, I would say generally... Way personality wise he seemed he obviously seems like a much nicer and just like chiller person than brian but yeah. there's not he's not all wine and roses so definitely worth touching on um no he's more vodka bottles and roses yeah that's right so he died on september 17th uh 1970 from choking on his own vomit after taking nine sleeping pills from a brand named Vesperax, which is not sold anymore, which oh, kind of tells you all why. you need to know yeah. about yeah, the sleeping. The, it's basically just like a straight up real sedative that they used to give people for sleeping pills instead of. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he took nine of the pills. Apparently half a pill was like the dosage. You're supposed to. Oh, my God. We're supposed to pop them in half. So it was 18 times the recommended dosage for huh. the sleeping pill that was basically a full on sedative that is not legal anymore. So, yeah. So the last night he was alive, uh, he was hanging out at his girlfriend's technically hotel room, but it's one of those where it was like an apartment in a hotel, um, who is a German figure skater and painter, Monica Daneman. Uh, she cooked him dinner around 11 and they hung out and then she took him to a friend's house at one forty-five in the morning. This is, uh, Evidence of how much he does not sleep, by the way. Right. I mentioned way earlier. Yeah. Uh, went to a friend's house at 145, came back to her apartment at 3 a.m., and they stayed up talking and hanging out until 7 a.m. before they finally went to bed. Uh, and Monica woke up at 11 a.m., and he was breathing but unconscious and, like, wouldn't wake up when she shook him and everything. Uh, so they called an ambulance. He went to the hospital. He was declared dead at the hospital at 1245 from asphyxiation on his okay. own vomit. So, yeah. Wow. That's how Jimmy died. Uh, like so many great rock stars, had a bad right. taste in his mouth right before he died. So here's something that I have been saving for a while. I found this like right when we started Jimmy Hendrix, talking about Jimi Hendrix, but I've been saving it for this moment which is a little bit of numerology related to Jimi Hendrix's death, which being a show about a group of people famous because they all died at the exact same age, I think fits right in. Uh, So the number nine, according, so this is according to a book. Number nine, number nine. Okay, so the book is called Take a Walk on the Dark Side, Rock and Roll Myths, Legends, and Curses, and I need to find a full copy to read myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it sounds awesome, uh, by Gary Patterson is the book. So there's a section on, uh, actually unclear whether this section is on Jimmy or on like numerology in general, but here's Mm -hmm. just some interesting stuff. So the number nine is dominant in Jimi Hendrix's life. 
Um, if six was nine. Yes. So as far as the number nine is concerned with Jimi Hendrix's fate, this is just directly from the book. Thanks, Gary Patterson, for your for your permission. Uh, so he was born on November 27th, 2 plus 7 equals 9, and he died oh. on September 18th. Uh, maybe it was September 18th. Oh, yeah, because September 7th, it would have been the night of the 17th into the 18th. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so 18, 1 plus 8 equals 9. September was the ninth month. So he died at that's, 27, and, which is 2 plus 9. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, wow. immediate, the immediate cause of death was given as inhalation of vomit because he took nine sleeping pills. When Monica called for an ambulance, she dialed the UK emergency prefix of 999. Yeah. And he died when he was 27, 2 plus 7 equals 9, which was also the age of his mother when she died. Hmm. So, yeah. Very Who sits down to take the time to fucking figure all that shit out? Yeah, I know. It's pretty fascinating. I'm, Gary Patterson is doing the Lord's work. Gary Patterson. Any relation to... Uh... Gary Larson? I yeah. don't think so. <laughs> How did you know I was going to say Gary Larson? Because I almost called him that. <laughs> like, I literally read Gary Patterson and almost said Gary Larson out loud. So, um, yeah, so that's Jimi Hendrix's life travails and unfortunate untimely death um yeah his death isn't like like obviously i think we've talked about this um kind of all of the people will talk about their deaths are a little bit like the more famous ones are steeped in mystery his probably the least amount i would say yeah i mean the only thing i think is just this just that there's like some question about like I mean, with with the sleeping pill, I'm like, because the sleeping pills obviously didn't cause him to like throw up and choke on his own vomit, but it's just that he yeah. couldn't wake up. Like that's how John Bonham died. Yeah, he was so drunk and he threw that up. He choked and, on his yeah. own vomit and couldn't wake up or do anything about it because he was so fucking drunk. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you're right. There's not really like conspiracy or mystery about if something had happened weirdly or if you know someone like, had given him something he wasn't supposed to take i'm sure like if he we took the pills into he did it, everything you know yeah. we would find a lot of conspiracy theories about i mean there's always a conspiracy yeah. theory about anything that's true so. i think it was the zodiac <laughs> uh so pj what are your overall thoughts and feelings on the music of Jimi Hendrix. Phenomenal. I mean, it's great. He's the greatest guitar player of all time. Um, and I don't think, you know, I said that as a young man, and then I like maybe strayed away from that for a while, but I think undoubtedly he is probably the greatest guitar player of all time, um, at least yeah. in rock. Uh, just so Yeah, he's good. a classic high school yeah. listen, you know, like just essential listen for sure and he's he's just so good like he's got it's not only that he's like technically good he's got a good feel and also like he can drive a song forward um and like even in his live songs it's like like there are a lot of guitar players who can sound really great on the studio album and then when they play live it's so shitty um but he might be the the best at doing it live him and jimmy page are 
both. Yeah, like, I was going to say, I feel like I keep going back to Jimmy Page because he's kind of my usual go-to for greatest guitarist of all time. Yeah. Um, And I feel like along with Jimmy Page, like he has a thing that is always so cool and fun to listen to, but he just, yeah. he has... He just sounds so natural all the time. Like it never even sounds like all of his riffs don't even sound like things you would write. Yeah. They just sound like things he's just coming up with off the top of his head. And it's like, cause he has no, I mean, he has musical knowledge and, and talent obviously. Right. But he doesn't have any formal training. Like, I don't know, you know, similar to Jimmy Page, like no formal training. It's not like he knows what key he's playing in and shit like that. Like he's just fucking around. And yeah. finding these like incredible things. And even when it comes to his technical ability of combining effects pedals and amplifiers and, and just getting the right tone. Yeah, coming up yeah. with all that stuff. Like again, that's all just him. It just feels like it's just so natural with him. Yeah. That it's hard to not Yeah, put him up there in that that like deified range of yeah. guitar players. Deified yeah. air. For the last few years, I've been saying Dwayne Allman is probably my favorite guitar player. Yeah. Um, and I think the best. But I think I got to give it to Jimmy, man. Like, yeah, it's just impeccable. And um, then he's got, I mean, he's he's just a threat on every level because he's also a really excellent songwriter. Like, yeah. has written incredibly beautiful, like, lyrically meaningful songs multiple yeah. times. He's an incredible songwriter. I think and would defend many times over that he has a really great voice oh, like voice i think some people really think good. it's maybe a weak point for him but i would not agree i would that. disagree wholeheartedly yeah yeah i think he has an incredible voice and like yeah i mean it's just everything about his musical talent it's like nothing's missing it's not like he's an incredible guitar player but there's like you know other people in the band he's leaning on for for other stuff for vocals or for yeah. whatever um yeah. And he's, it's not like he's a one-trick pony like Clapton. Like, Clapton just kind of does the same thing on every fucking song. But, like, yeah. Hendrix had so many different things he was doing. Like, even in this live album, there was, like, some, yeah. like, bluesier, jazzier stuff, and it was good. Right. Yeah. It's crazy how much he touches on and kind of goes into, um, yeah, from, like, very psychedelic rock, almost outdated, psych- yeah. like, so psychedelic to then like very jazzy like loungy r&b stuff that sounds yep. like it's off there's a riot going on or something like yeah um to like basically heavy metal um so yeah. it's yeah it's pretty impressive stuff and and you know i think a lot of people say this about musicians who die young but they're like oh gone too soon i want to i would have loved to see what he would have done and like yeah and we can hear that like we both said this album if we had heard a lot of these studio tracks that would have been so cool but then like at what point do you think he would have dropped off and like sold out i don't know the 80s were rough for a lot of people i mean he feels more like oh sorry oh no go ahead he feels more like someone to me obviously there's no way to actually predict he feels more like someone to me who just would have stopped making music at some point like right yeah like almost yeah, like by like 1977, he just would have been like, I'm sick of this and just walked away mm-hmm. and stop and for like a decade or something and then, you know, come back or something. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing with people who 
I love when bands break up early because I hate bands that stay together too long. Cough, cough, the Rolling Stones. Cough, cough. Um, cough, cough, the Beach Boys. Cough, cough. Fair, fair point. Um, I hate when bands stay together too long, but it's like, it's weird to say you're glad a person dies, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's sometimes true with some artists. You're like, it. I can't really imagine them still playing. Like, it, it just would have gotten weird for them to be playing when they're old guys in a different time or whatever. Right, like, and I think Jimmy, Brian Jones would be a fucking deadbeat. Like, yeah. nothing But Jimi Hendrix does not give me that vibe. It doesn't make me, like, no. kind of yeah. secretly glad he didn't make more music. It feels, like, sad that he didn't make get to crazy music for at least a few more years or something you know just the the same way i feel about the beatles breaking up where i like i know it was a necessary evil because then they went on to write some of the greatest music of all time independently from one another but like just like one more album would be so fucking killer you know that's how i feel about hendrix where it's like if we could just get like a little bit more it would be so cool like yeah but like, yeah. if he had just come back in, like, 1971 with one more, like, full studio album with, like, yeah. kind of a different band and, like, new songwriting or, you know, whatever yeah. he moved on to. Would have been songwriting awesome. Songwriting-wise, yeah. yeah. So, what do we want to rate Jimmy as a member of the 27 Club rated out of the number 27? Part of me feels like we have to do 27 because apparently numerologically he has to be a, or 18. 18 or <laughs> 27. Yeah. But I think it's going to be somewhere in between 18 and 27. You we'll know, see. I would say he's in every mural. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So like as a member of the 27 club, he's absolutely, like he is one of the core four to six that are yeah. inarguably the faces of the 27 club yes yes i would say the only knocks i can give him are kind of what you're talking about where it's like his death is not super mysterious and crazy it's sad and it's it's similar to the other like almost every member of the 27 club i think od'd and died from died from some drug cut and dry thing like but yeah so that i feel like that does yeah, yeah, like there's just not much, and there's not, he doesn't even have a Robert Johnson type thing where there's mystery in his life in other ways. There's no, just no, everyone knows everything yeah. about Jimi Hendrix, and, and there's no miss. So I feel like that's the only reason I'd agree. I personally would knock yeah. him a couple points. I'm not even going to knock think, him a couple points. I think just one. I one think for you. Yeah. 26. I think he's, he's 26, 26 out of 27. Because, you know, when you think of the 27 Club, I think he is one of the few people you think of, but it's like. Yeah. And he's, like, a phenomenal musician, absolutely. But he's, like, not, like, one of the fun members who are, like, ooh, what happened? You know, like. Right, right. Yeah. So. Who are those four to six, by the way? I think I think the six members who are the faces of the 27 Club are Robert Johnson, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse. Absolutely. Those are, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. exactly what I would say. And then if you're going to cut it down, Kurt Amy, Cobain. Get winehouse out of there if you're gonna cut it down yeah unfortunately it sucks the women are leaving <laughs> it would it would go kurt cobain jim morrison Jimi hendrix robert johnson probably i disagree i would throw joplin in there and i would get oh instead of robert johnson yeah yeah, yeah. that's fair yeah i guess because she was like the original uh, part of the original three so yeah exactly um yeah i think i i want to go 27 i don't know i feel like or I want to go 25, I mean, but that's fine. Okay. It's literally a meaningless rating system that we're that's, doing just Yeah, fun, it doesn't so. make any sense. <laughs> well, that well, has been 
the Jimi life Hendrix. and music of Jimi Hendrix. James Marshall Hendrix. Um, Thanks for listening. Uh, feel, please email us at beachboysboys at gmail.com. Uh, if you have thoughts on any of the club, 27 club members we've talked about so far or upcoming members, we're moving right along to, yeah. to more bands or more artists. Yeah. Um, please rate it and review us on whatever you listen to your podcasts on. Please. We literally don't even care if it's a bad review. Yeah. Just make and, it look like someone's yeah. listening to the current show. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I looked at our statistics and we're, you know... <laughs> Let me part the kimono a bit here. We joke about how we don't have many. Okay. We do okay. We do pretty good. Yeah. We have enough listeners. It's it's sad that no one's reviewed us since like early Rolling Stone studs. So please yeah. lit- literally just go give like a one-line review at the most yeah. or, you know, at the least and just, yeah. Yeah. Make it but, look like we're still active because we are. <laughs> yeah. And Peter, I'll see you through that purple haze. Oh, PJ. We'll see you uh, through the purple haze, standing at the crossroads, my friend. Hell yeah. Many moons passed, the more the dream grew stronger till tomorrow. He would sing his first war song and fight his first battle. And something went wrong. Surprise attack killed him in his sleep that night. And so castles made of sand melts into the sea. There was a young girl whose heart was a frown because she was crippled for life and she couldn't speak a sound and she wished and prayed she could stop living so she decided to die. A Beach Boys Boys production. So the other day, I guess it was actually when we were listening to it, or when we were doing Electric Ladyland, because I was listening to Electric Ladyland. Um, and Shelby's not been that into Jimi Hendrix. Like mm-hmm. she puts up with him more than anything, I guess I would say. Yeah. But kind of same with the Stones. She didn't love most of the Stones music, so. Um, but I just put it on like while we were folding laundry or whatever, um, doing stuff around the house. And she said, huh, I guess, I guess he's a better guitar player than a singer, huh? (laughs) Man, that's a, so yeah, that's devastating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't even think she likes his guitar playing that much. He just, (laughs) man, yeah. (laughs)